Wow, we haven't had a uh, just a the three of us over drinks in a in a while. In a really long time. Yeah, it's been a spell, hasn't it? It has been. It, it, well, it's also been you know life a altering. Yeah, <laughs> world on fire. Maybe we should talk about who the three of us are that are just hanging out here. I know, oh. since it's just the three of us. Just the yeah. three of us, dude. If listeners can't tell who who it is by now, I mean, but. They just stumbled into the like hundred. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this out in the hundred and thirty second episode. <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> well, uh, yes. Welcome to Overdrinks, uh, old school edition. Yes. It's, it's just the three of us: Rob McClure, Andrew Martin Smith, Jamie Lee Sampson, and we're hey. drinking. Yes, we, we are. Oh, we are. What are we drinking? Oh, you know what? I'll go. I'll go first. Um, I, I I made mention to Jamie earlier that I'm I'm dissatisfied with my beer. It just has too many hops in it. But um, you're gonna laugh too. I, I'd be with you though because I'm yeah. not. I used to be a really hoppy beer guy, and now I'm just not. Well, um, so the the brewery that's uh, local to our area, Ellicottville uh, Brewing Company, which is which has got my favorite uh, blueberry wheat beer ever, right? Um, I am trying some stuff from their sample pack, and I have an India Pale Ale of theirs, which is bursting with hop flavor. Mmm, this mm. Ellicottville IPA. Hoppy. <laughs> and I'm drinking my favorite Scottish import. Ginger beer. Crabbies. The ginger of beer. Okay. I am... I'm drinking wine. What? <gasps> I know. This I thought. Weird. I thought you guys were going to be coming with wine tonight, and I wanted to join the party. I did tell you I was going to be drinking wine. Was it from a can, though, Rob? <laughs> uh, this, this wine that I'm drinking right now? Yeah. No, it was from a box. <laughs> Because I did buy you a can of wine in August. That fucked me up. Um, <laughs> for one of these episodes, too. Yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. At our haunted mansion go, in Toledo. Go back and hear Rob get really fucked up by a can of wine. Um, anyway, it's a, it it's a Malbec. It's, it's a Bota box. Mm, because nice. right at the beginning of this, Kate and I decided, like, well... It'd be good to like have some wine around. Let's get a box because those just like they vacuum seal down on themselves and they they yeah. last for a lot longer. And only if you're not drinking them. Well, yes, but you've seen you've seen Kate. You understand yep. that she is a smaller person. Yes, yeah. a smaller person than I am. And I don't drink wine that much. So yep. it made sense. It's pretty That's I mean fair. it's for yeah. For a box wine, it's uh, it's pretty decent. I'm probably gonna switch to bourbon later, but and we're you know. probably gonna switch to wine. <laughs> All right, two ships passing in the night. That's what happens. <laughs> so uh, this this most likely is going to be our second to last uh, episode for this spring season. We've probably got one more Corona Tones episode in us, and then we'll probably just take a break for a little bit uh hunker down write some music <laughs> mm, and, and yes. the what and the whatnot and um 
But it uh, Jamie came up with this idea for this episode because we thought, oh, it would be nice if the three of us got together and, and did one. What If we're going to do kind of an old school uh, over drinks, what piece should we do? And Jamie had an excellent idea. So why don't you explain Because we it? had no other idea. Because we had no other idea. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to be fair, we we had we tossed out a few. But Did then we? Jamie, well, I tossed well, out Andrew, one. Well, Andrew tossed out one that Jamie didn't like. I was like. very drunk. <laughs> It's like, I feel like this is the story of my life. I toss out an idea that no one likes, and then it gets us to a better idea. And that certainly happened in oh, this case. Oh, that's right. That idea. Okay. That's I vaguely role, remember that. that. I was not drunk. That was in the middle of the afternoon. Um, and none of our, our, our lovely adjective collective members know that we're doing this beyond the three of us, except for the couple of people probably assume we're doing something because I sent some right. weird emails out about needing MP3s or wave files. Um, so we and you're, to and do you're a talking, little... you're talking about the adjectivians, right? The adjectivians. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's an Easter egg for anyone who made it to the end of the last podcast. Was it at the end? I thought it was buried I, somewhere in the middle. I don't know. It's all <laughs> the same It blurs into each other. Well, anyways, so we've had a lot of new CDs released from our composers and and performer colleagues, all related to the Adjective Collective composers and their music. And so we wanted to celebrate, you know, some of the music that's brand new released this year. Some of it's not even up in the Adjective store. Some of it's new to us. There's a couple pieces that I may have heard before, but and upon listening and trying to find something new from everybody, I kind of... Oh, rediscovered yes. yeah. <laughs> um, a few pieces that are a few years old, but um, are, are, you know, fresh in my mind this week since I've been doing some digging on what my friends have been up to in, in recording land. So this is our little kind of end of the season love letter to the Adjective Collective. We're digging into the new to us or the brand new recordings from... Uh, from all 14 of us, if we can manage. Wow. I think we can manage. Yeah. Well, Rob's got a box of wine. <laughs> I'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there together. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we're going to listen to kind of, we're just going to kind of set up and talk a little bit about each piece and we're, we're just going to be listening to clips so if you want to find the full recordings or if you hear something that you know you might play the instrument of mm. the uh of the piece that uh we are we're talking about and you want to take a look at the score go to adjectivenewmusic.com to look at that and actually most of the recordings should be linked from um adjectivenewmusic.com as well yep. so Go there if you hear something you like to hear the full thing. On and with if, the show. If <laughs> if it's not up on the website, a lot yeah. of these pieces are soon to be. So if you're interested and you don't see it, it doesn't mean it's not in the works. It just means we need to hurry a little bit. And if you let us know, we can hurry all the better to serve you. And that email address is? Why are you all looking at me? <laughs> You manage the main email account. I can't. Be, a, God damn it, Andrew, a, I was trying to throw to you. It was such a it was such a good it was it was such a good lob. It was a good softball. Hello. It was a nice underhanded pitch. Right, it's a good contact form on the website. There is, or yes. they could email directly uh, at adjective.new.music at gmail.com. Okay. All right. Ta-da. So, uh, who has the first piece that we're going to talk? I about? do actually. Oh. 
Yeah. No, I think uh, I think since you know it's it's kind of a uh, we're inviting a celebratory atmosphere, right? I, I feel that we we should kick off with a little fanfare. How, how does that seem? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so <laughs> one of the uh, fanfare like pieces in our catalog uh, actually comes from uh, the the desk of Rob Deemer, right? Uh, so uh, no, it's not a requirement for a composer to be named Rob to be a part of the collective, even though the percentage is ever it's just increasing. encouraged. Coming from one of the multiple Andrews. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Rob Deemer has this piece, um, I believe it is from 2014, if I'm remembering correctly, and the piece was um, written when he was teaching at Interlochen. Uh, and so Steve Davis, I believe, uh, asked him to write a short kind of fanfare uh, for the Interlochen World Youth Wind Symphony Orchestra, right? Um, well, I should, Wind Symphony, right? It's not really an orchestra because um, there are no strings, that happens. And so uh, this little kind of band fanfare, I think we're going to hear the whole thing since it's so short and celebratory and, yep. and then we'll have a little uh, chat about it. So I think we're actually listening to uh, the world premiere given by by the Interlochen Wind Symphony and uh, uh, the World uh, Youth Wind Symphony and Steve Davis conducting. What's the title again? Mirabilis. Here we go. So, I mean, the the thing that I found interesting about this whole project was uh, just kind of going through the catalog and seeing how many of our composers, you know, they're, they're really good composers, but we're doing an awful lot of really cool stuff with a lot of really cool people. Like, like just looking through the, the list of ensembles and conductors and performers that have uh, have worked with all of us. It's, it's actually uh, kind of humbling. I don't know if any of you had the same experience. Like, yeah, I don't know what that word means. Humbling. <laughs> hey, hey, that was a joke. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, you're right. Of course. It's also um, I, for me. It's also like I, I like that we're doing this because it. It. Um, you know. We have been a collective with uh, for how many years now? Is it four and a half? Four and a half, yeah. Going on five. And um, you know, for the for the original members, 
like I like we've been we've known each other for a long time some of us longer than just being in the collective but I feel like I've gotten a sense of people's music before and doing this like going through and listening to a little bit of everyone's music is like oh I didn't know they did that. You know? <laughs> I know, right? So so that's one thing. But the other thing is just going through and seeing how much like musical diversity we have in the collective is is awesome. And yeah. I mean and yeah, even definitely. musical diversity within the composers, because you know, you can get this piece from Rob that's obviously mm-hmm. like big, you know, uh brassy, exciting. That mm-hmm. kind of piece, but then you can turn around and get something that's like completely different from Rob at the same time. So it's just interesting to, to kind of oh, yeah. flip your uh, expectations and perspective. Absolutely, yeah, it is. And and the other thing, um, at least of the five composers that I was kind of charged with uh, with helping to present uh, <laughs> during this session, it was it was interesting to me that I find. Um, the environments we all create to kind of uh, uh, the environments that we facilitate to kind of create our music is just really intriguing. Um, and, you know, this piece Mirabilis being written uh, with the express intent of being performed by uh, high school students. Yeah. I, I mean, really, really talented high school students at the Interlochen uh, uh, summer arts camp, but they're still high school students, right? And so there's there's a certain type of piece that is going to work for that uh, ensemble and that performance venue, environment. Exactly. I was say, because this is probably one of the outdoor venues, too, it during is. the summer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so hearing not only the, the gamut of style, but the gamut of circumstance that kind mm-hmm. of influences or, or maybe impinges in some cases on that style, it's really fascinating to see what composers do with their individual voice to, f- to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because you, you can, for me, I get a, a larger sense of space from this piece than even some of the other works of orchestra works or band works that I've heard from Rob. And mm. part of that is... We're not only projecting to this audience, we're projecting to, you know, <laughs> the faculty who should not still be in their dorms because we got a concert going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the bring out your dead bell of like <laughs> interlocking concerts. <laughs> you should be here, get out here. <laughs> It's a, uh, but yeah, yeah, this is really, this has been a fun experience. And I, I just wanted to bring that one up first to, to kind of kick us off. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're going to run the gamut of sense of space over the next, how, well, probably two hours here. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Rob, what do you have for us? Um, let's do uh, Garrett Schumann's piece mm-hmm. um, at, for something completely different. Um. So uh, this piece is called Berlin Counterpoint, and it's for bassoon, clarinet, and flute. And I was reading, I actually, uh, you know, I I was reading his program notes, and Garrett wrote this the summer before I met him when we overlapped at Rice for one year. So you're kidding. uh, Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Like, I, he wrote this the summer of 2009. I started at Rice in in the fall of 2009. So he was he was in Berlin studying with Sam Adler and, you know, I, a bunch of the Rice undergrads um, when I was there also did that. You know, they they went to Berlin. They studied with 
with Adler and I mean you guys probably had contact with him at least a little bit being in BG. Yes. Yeah, uh never Just never one of his students, but uh, right, there yeah. was yeah, yeah. Right. It's a um it's a four and a half minute piece for that for that trio. And it's in uh it's in <clears throat> ABA. Uh Garrett, <laughs> because I like you, and this was written years ago, I won't launch into my ABA soapbox. Um, but uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I want to listen to this starting at uh, three minutes. So this is the last minute and a half of the piece. Cool. Um, so this is Berlin Counterpoints. What's I'm that? A... I said, "Ooh, I really like the end." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think Garrett has like a really nice sensibility when it comes to counterpoint, and it's not just this piece. I think it's a lot of of his other pieces. It almost seems like he has kind of that old school model of education. You know, mm. start with counterpoint and develop that into. Like counterpoint informs all of all of the language, and you know that's probably not every single piece that Garrett writes, but I find that when he does kind of employ that technique, mm. I'm really drawn to those works. Well, I would have been really disappointed if he called it Berlin counterpoint and it didn't fully explore. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. It kind of it, it it was like it was a weird. It it kind of reminded me of um, you know, it had that title. Like I was expecting like a Steve Reich type of thing, you know, like right. mm-hmm. yeah. New York counterpoint or something like that. Vermont counterpoint, a little yeah. minimalist nod, yeah. right? Not not so. No. Um and you know, at the at the same time though, um with these pieces that can sound more, you know, it, it, like there is an obvious Germanic influence, I think a lot of us who have who have studied this type of music would say. Um and the the danger with some of these types of textures, especially, you know, contrapuntal textures in general, like box music suffers from this as well. Um, it can become exhausting. Right. 
Yeah. Contrapuntal texture is a double-edged sword. It can be interesting as all hell, all of those multiple independent lines happening simultaneously, but that also can be very fatiguing on the ears. And I think, uh, along with uh, you know uh, Garrett's good sense about uh, color and line, I think the sensitivity to texture, mm-hmm. like the texture changes, I think are really, really well-placed in this piece. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, some of the some of those moments of relief are my favorite points. Yeah, because we just emerge from the setting, and then dive back into it. And that's part of the reason why I like the shape of the end is because you know it feels like we've led there n- nice and organically, naturally, mm-hmm. without forcing it. Yeah, definitely. I wonder if that makes up for the ABA ness of it all, nope. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Jamie. Yeah. Uh, what what's first on your list? Let's let's go another direction. Let's uh let's pull up John Sokol's piece, Basic Lands. Ooh. Um so this is a a new work, I believe. It was released on the Hasco Duo's uh new CD called The Same Old Wonder. It just came out uh, in the midst of pandemic, I believe. Um, oh, really? Wow. I think March 20. So everyone go maybe? buy it. So everyone go buy it. Um, but you know, I've, I've been, it's been on my to listen list, the whole CD. And then as we started doing this project, I went to the CD and I realized that John Sokol is 25 minutes of that CD. Bam! Yeah! yeah. And I was like, well, this is where John's been. <laughs> Hi, John. We love you. We haven't heard from you in a little bit. <laughs> you, should, you should do an overdrinks too, John. Hey. You should do. We are formally inviting you. Not that we're he needed s- the invitation. No, he didn't. Exactly. He's always welcome. But I might actually send the invite in the mail to support the post office. Um. Truth. <laughs> Truth. Oh, my God. Sidebar for just a second. Oh, um, no. What did I do? <laughs> no, no, nothing. Um, Kate's Kate's brother he sent uh like you know at the grocery store at the at the um at the uh end of an aisle you might see like this big like um i don't know a container Display. of uh like play balls oh, yeah. in, oh, oh yes you yes. know for kids and yeah. stuff so he bought a humongous pink ball and sent it to <laughs> sloan for her birthday but <laughs> I mean, obviously, it was already blown up and everything. So he just wrote the address on the ball <laughs> and the return address on the ball and said, Happy birthday, Sloan. It's the big four. And just like smacked a stamp on it. Oh my God. <laughs> and it Did got it here it? today. Oh That's God. amazing. <laughs> Who knew you could send something like that? Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, anyway. That's- I'm going to be thinking Support. about that for the next three days. Yeah. <laughs> thinking about it. If you've got to send gonna do like it. a lamp or something, just write your address on the shade and see if it gets there. <laughs> no, no. This is not condoned by the legal department of Adjective New Music. <laughs> oh. <sighs> Back to John's piece. Sure. Um, so the Hasco duo is, of course, Amanda DeBoer Bartlett, which we're going to hear a little bit more from her later on, and um, Jesse Langdon. And they started performing together, I believe, in Ensemble Del Niente a way back. And now they have um, this duo, which is, they do a lot of um, 
improv. They do a lot of, um, I don't know. Last time we saw them in concert was up at the Silo uh, City, right? Yeah, it's called Silo City yeah. in Buffalo. It's all the old grain silos have been converted into like concert spaces with a 45 second Ooh. reverb. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Um, yeah. But anyway, so this this piece was uh, most of the bulk of this new uh, CD of theirs. So I want to listen to a couple minutes of it. This is about. I think a little over seven minutes in and it is very different than what we've listened to before. What's the title again? Basic Lands by John Sokol. Cool. The swish of grass The long reaching of the darkness spaces laying hold on you like an iron hand spaces speaking to you in a husky That's for electric guitar and electronics. I thought it was just electric guitar. They don't usually work with electronics, but now you have me questioning myself here. It seemed like there was some electronic sound happening there. Yeah. I don't know how someone would do all that live unless there are like, unless he's just like capturing stuff with pedals and. Mm. Oh, I don't know. Oh, Oh, well, you know what? I've been listening to it on Spotify and I don't uh, see the additional information. But one of the things I loved was if I guess if it is with electronics, that makes total sense. But if it isn't, it is possible to create the looping and the multi-layer sounds, not necessarily with anything beyond the guitar. And you get this really distinct foreground, middle ground background just with the guitar sounds. There are some very pointed and very close sounds to you. The harmonics in particular stick out to me Mm -hmm. as being very close and up front. And 
there's a really good pad of sound in the background. And then Amanda, of course, is is interweaving throughout all of it. And so, yeah, I just don't get to hear the electric guitar used that way all that often. Yeah. And it's partially every time Jesse plays, I learn something new about the guitar. And it's partially, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what John brings into the mix. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know John's a John's a fan of using um, extended techniques and very or, or we shouldn't call it extended techniques. What what is uh, uh, Jamie your your contemporary thing is contemporary techniques, techniques right? The, not like, extended. It's all or, part of the possibilities. Or just you know techniques. It's, <laughs> it's on the menu. That's it's right. On the menu. Uh, but it's on but the John is certainly not. Uh, uh, afraid to explore the variety of timbre that uh, an acoustic or electronic instrument can can get. I remember, I think the first piece of John's that I ever saw was for tuba and baritone saxophone. Me too. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. saw it at the same time because yeah. we were both at that concert at BGSU in 2012 where yeah. you were my like... <laughs> <laughs> what were you? I was your liaison. Yeah, you're your my my student liaison and I'm like, "Dudes, I went here." <laughs> but yeah. But it gave Which us a, where a great met. excuse to yeah, exactly, it gives a great excuse to meet. Um but yeah, that that piece uh and, and a lot of John's pieces are are just wild in their exploration of timbre. And of course, when you have performers um of of the caliber of uh, Amanda DeBoer Bartlett and um, Jesse, I mean, they're they're Amanda has such a unique instru- instrument. I, her voice is is uh, just I, I miss hearing it because we were office mates at BGSU for a oh, while. Oh yeah, um, and uh, it's it's really really a pleasure to hear them live. I really I wanted to end when we were originally talking about this. We were looking at like thirty second long. Um, snippets, and that would have put us right at about the point where Amanda was doing the microtonal inflection. And this morning, I talked to Rob, and he was like, well, I think we should aim for like a minute and a half, two minutes. And I was like, damn it, you know? <laughs> I had such a cool cadence, and then such a cool You're always pushing the envelope. You're just pushing the envelope. Oh my god. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I'm sticking to the parameters. This is my job. <laughs> that you, that, well, yes, okay. Um, yeah, I just love John's music. I really have to say, like, um, the uh, resident songs, I always keep mm-hmm. going going back to that one. Just like he gets so much with so little, you mm. know. And, yeah, that's fair to say. And I think I think this is uh, even though we're talking about you know exploring timbre and, and everything, and obviously this is only two minutes of a twenty five minute piece. You know, right. even in this this section, he's very like economical with what he's what he's using. Even if, like, we are considering the electronics, if there are electronics, I mean, it's not one of those, like, hey, let's throw everything all at once type of things. Right. Like, it's very, yeah. you know, it's it's deliberate, I think. Yeah, it's really nice. Well, what do you have, Andrew? Well, I feel like uh, it, it would be, it, I, it just seems like every one of these that we have, it's like, and now for something completely different. It's so <laughs> well, that's who we are as yeah. a collective. Yeah. Um, Though, I think, I think we have to save... Uh, the the ones that we've done for each other to last. That way, we've had the most alcohol, and we can oh really, God, this really. Will, oh man, like, yeah, no holes barred on our. our I think oh, this yes. is so the yes. three of our pieces will be last. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I think that's a good plan. Okay. Um, so okay, that being <laughs> the case, then, that, uh, that that being the case, I think we should do uh, Jennifer Jolly's uh, "The Lives and Opinions of Literary Cats." <laughs> I mean, I I could fantastic I think title. I know, right? Uh, I ha- I think I feel like we've maybe featured this piece before. 
It was, um, yeah, it was, it was in one of the Corona tones. Um, was uh, it a Corona tones or a mixtape or a something? Could be both. I don't know. Um, but it was <laughs> yeah. definitely, it was definitely in, in one of the, I think the last Corona tones. That's awesome. Where, where I was telling everyone to, hey, subscribe, rate us, comment, Woo. go buy a score. One of those things. I, I just, you know, um, Jen, of course, is is one for um, her. I, I, the things that I know a lot about Jen's music, I have to say, I love the titles. Um, I think I think her her titles, her pieces are hilarious. Um, and at the same time, they have just so many layers to them. You just kind of keep unpacking. It's like, oh, crap. It also could mean this. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And so this piece uh, was commissioned by the Left Coast Chamber Ensemble, right? Um, and if I'm remembering correctly, it was from 2017. And I think there was, what was the stipulation? Now I have to look at my notes. Um, oh, oh, uh, the Left Coast Chamber Ensemble asked her to write a piece that um, imagines the Brahms B-flat major trio being heard through the looking glass. So you got this whole kind of Alice in Wonderland kind of thing. Um, and I was really, really attempted, uh, tempted to uh, pull out the section where, you know, the performers are whistling and, and doing these, these kind of things. Um, but I actually, I just love the opening. The opening mm-hmm. is just really, really just energetic and uh, really invites the audience into the piece, I think. Well, here it is. The lives and opinions of literary cats. <laughs> It just I love that whole you can feel us falling like through or falling down the rabbit hole or through the looking glass or whatever kind of thing you want. Very different imagery than I got from that. Yeah, I was I was imagining a cat attacking you or something. Well, okay, so so 
Have you seen the video of like the the grumpy old geriatric cat who was adopted and did not like being indoors? Oh yes. And then no. they give him a bunch of kittens, and he becomes a very like loving grandpa figure to them. <laughs> so cute. It feels like the kittens are all over the keyboard, and then Grandpa wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is precisely who I think about. Is that grumpy old gray cat? <laughs> Just... all right. Yeah. Lethargically waking up with the. Mm-hmm. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, you weren't the only one because obviously Jen says in her program notes she couldn't she couldn't not think of cats for yeah. for yeah. whatever reason yeah. right yeah 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 yeah. Uh, I think do do we want to go back to Jamie? We'll just we'll ping pong. Yeah, because time. if yeah. if we are uh, saving the three of us till the end, I chose both of you. So, <laughs> so I'm going to be that. quiet for a while. <laughs> Actually, thank you, because it saves us from choosing one another. And that's that's, I'm that's... A, yes, I am a good friend. You're right. Oh, yes, there it <laughs> is. Don't let it go to your head. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's grab Andrew Cody's piece next. We and heard it today. One... We t- well, we did. And we're going to hear it again tomorrow because yes. there were some tech glitches. Yeah. Um, but this is Andrew Cody's ulterior motives uh, performed by the Deco Ensemble, who happen to be neighbors of ours here in Fredonia. Um, Sarah Marchitelli and Jake Swanson, whose names I almost just flip-flopped there. Jake Marchitelli and Sarah, <laughs> Sarah Swanson. Swanson. <laughs> um, you know, when, when you've been together as long as Jake and Sarah have and you and I have, I feel like that's fine and permissible. Like they're interchangeable? Like. Well, is that, that's is that the argument? Really shallow way of putting it. Thanks, um. <laughs> Andrew Martin Sampson. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they um, the Deco Ensemble Ensemble is doing um, Thursday afternoon concerts at three o'clock on YouTube. They post events on Facebook, um, and they've been featuring a different adjective composer every week. So we heard Andrew's piece, uh, five minute Andrew Smith's piece, five miniatures last week. Is that the whole title? Yeah, just five miniatures. Great. That's it. Um, That's all and- I need. You stole it from me. I did. I, was say, I really did. Rob have one of those too. All the Robs, all the Andrews, they're stealing each other's titles. I'm confused. All writing miniatures and <laughs> you are, you are, because they've extended this wonderful invitation for more of us to write miniatures for them for these afternoon concerts. So um they had worked with Andrew Cody preceding, <laughs> far preceding the current pandemic we're living through, and mm-hmm. he has written um ulterior motives for them and i think again i I feel like he wrote ulterior motives for another group and then i think in uh, uh, consequences of our common good i think is the one that he wrote specifically for for i think you're right okay Um, i'm getting my history a little turned around but but, well i'm I'm also drinking um this lovely ipa um uh I I'm, I feel like that's right though. I feel like that's right. Okay. Uh, although I do love the deco interpretation of of Definitely. ulterior motives. Uh, Definitely. Al- ulterior motives. Yes. <clears throat> anyway, so that's a little bit of the background. We love deco. We love what they're doing with us and around us, and so we wanted to feature uh, them tonight as well as Andrew's wonderful piece, Ulterior Motives. <laughs> Thank 
You know, I don't know if Andrew knows this, but I, I use this particular piece when I'm teaching beginning composition. Uh, really? When, when, yeah, when we get to a minimalism unit, um, mm, yeah. I, I know I should be using the canonical pieces and doing... <laughs> I just, I, I enjoy um, the idea of having students, like, from, from the get-go learning about and and coming to appreciate music by people that are living mm-hmm. and and i think i think the historical reference is important and i there's nothing wrong with that um but the piece does so many things that i want young composers to consider just just in that little opening fragment that we hear um that i think some younger students are tempted not to do when they hear oh i'm working on a minimalist project right yeah. Um, it's like, no, there are things that you can think about other than repetition. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's like saying minimalism is just about repetition is probably the, <laughs> the most basest thing. <laughs> not basest as in base. Nah, anyway, um, <laughs> the, the most, um, absurd thing perhaps that, that you could say, cause there's, there's so much more. <laughs> musical information to consider. I think that's important to consider when you're, when you're writing in a minimalist style, for example. I mean, how did, like, I, I, I agree with you that, um, students, regardless of where they are in school should be listening to, uh, current music, Mm. you know, instead of only looking at the past. And I've gotten some pushback from that. From well, other from composers, weirdly enough. Really? Yeah. Huh. And I'm just like, because, you know, because they're, I think the opinion is, oh, they should know the classics. And if you are giving them all the new stuff, <laughs> you're ignoring the classics. That was before you quit <laughs> Facebook, wasn't it? Yes. But I remember. I know. What you, yes. You're, you're I referencing remember something, that but, thread. Yes. I, I know. <laughs> but at the same time, it has come up since then from other people. Interesting. You know? So I was going to say, because I think then you and I went and drank about it. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> like, there was a big debate, and then we were like, cheers. It doesn't matter what you think, y'all. <laughs> we're teaching what we teach. Yeah, yeah. And it's much. alive. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah I think it, it, uh, for, for me, I've seen it make a difference pedagogically. Yeah. Like, there's, yeah. there's something about talking um, with students and, and showing students 
contemporary music. It literally, like in the now, yeah, um, music that is fresh and employing some of these techniques, um, uh, historical or novel or what have you, uh, because I think they're able to form maybe a greater connection. It's not, you know, they're not reading about this through the lens of history. They get to live concurrently with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, it, it, this this discussion right now is is making me have an idea about um, listening journals for the future. I won't go into <laughs> it, but um, but there, but there's an idea here. Um, because, because for me, that's, that's why I like to do it because, you know, if you are looking at, you know, a Steve Reich piece and you're listening to it for the first time and, you know, you have to like form an opinion about it, you can just as easily go and read the articles upon articles about said piece and you don't, and, and the, the onus is not on you to form that opinion. It's like, I will just read and regurgitate, you Mm -hmm. know? And I li- I like the pieces where you can't find anything about them. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you have to do some original research. You have to own your shit. Yeah. Is that where <laughs> is that where onus comes from? No. <laughs> the onus oh, is on you. You have to own your shit. Oh wow! Oh wow! Um, well, there's a really interesting segue into perhaps the next piece. Uh, oh no! What is it? <laughs> well, actually, uh, you know, moving from uh, Andrew Cody, I wanted to actually go to one of Andrea Rankinmeyer's uh, pieces. Okay. Um, and so uh, Are you uh, doing the piece two in, in a question. Row? No, no, Jamie. Just, no, sorry. See, Jamie's right. We're interchangeable. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie is not happy about that. I'm fine with it. I think I get the better end of the deal with that. You do. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, Andrea's Andrea's piece. Yes, Andrea Rankinmeyer. Uh, the piece in question, I think, is uh, from Cycles of Eternity. Um, and it, I, uh, yeah, all of the pieces that I, that I'm presenting on, um, I just, I, I love to pieces, um, for, oh, that's funny. Anyway, um, the, uh, the thing about this piece that I like is it's written for, uh, treble voices, a treble voice choir. Um, and you know, I, it, uh, relatively recently I've come off, uh, writing a treble voice, uh, choir of my own. Um, and there's, you know, I, it's one of these moments where I listen to Andrea's piece and I'm like, huh, shit, I got to do mine again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I made mistakes. I missed opportunities. uh, Mine is wrong. Yeah. No, uh, there's, there's just some, some just hauntingly beautiful colors that, that she gets, uh, uh, from, I think the, the clip, um, that, that we're going to pull from here. Actually, uh, we're going to listen to, um, it's a, a a segment of the radio broadcast. Uh, yeah, but this, we're not going to hear the, the broadcast. Well, n- no, um, but uh, the uh, we should just listen to it. Okay. Let's listen to it. Here we go. <laughs>
Yeah, you probably made mistakes. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I don't remember the last time That's I good, wrote right? something that calmed myself down, but maybe I should try. <laughs> and, and of course, the, the, subject, the subject matter that she's dealing with, uh, the, the poetry is from a 19th century African-American uh, poet, right? And um, uh, what was the ensemble? That uh, that she wrote this for. Looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Oh, Mulieribus. Yeah. So so again, I am just floored by uh, the connections that that my friends and mentors and colleagues are are making like out in the world and and the kind of art that they're producing. It's it's really really truly humbling. I love the just the bottom of the range yeah, yeah. that she's expo- oh that's some good stuff right there and it is like really calming like you said jamie yeah well i think andrew was one of the few people in grad school for me that had a really calming presence in my life <laughs> <laughs> and so that opening hum i almost thought is she singing with them because i kind of hear her humming voice in that and for some reason, I don't know if, if she even hums that low, but I'm just, I'm, I had a moment of, is she here? And you know, it's funny is, is that about a year ago, we all went to, uh, or a bunch of us went to SCI National in Albuquerque and she was there and we just had like this raucous time and I haven't laughed so hard um, at, at maybe any conference. Nope, that's not true. I haven't laughed that hard. I know, I know. As Rob's like staring her (laughs) down. Other than the last conference I went to, which and laughed hysterically. (laughs) Um, but but it was too. Let's not let's not try to quantify it. You'd had a good time. I had a good time, and and it was very funny because Albuquerque was a different experience than grad school because it wasn't. It was it was raucous and hilarious, and we drank and laughed most of the time and and grad school was very calming and quiet and and so <laughs> the different to, sides to hear of, of, to yeah. hear this it brings me back to andrea pre-sci last year <laughs> sorry andrea i'm making a fool of myself right now hopefully not by extension sorry. because that was beautiful <laughs> it, w- it was very beautiful but uh, the way i just said uh, very studious <laughs> it reminded me of the uh, the Toledo podcast where, oh, no. where Andrew was like, oh, it's very, very serious, very, very German. And then Evan was like, very German, yeah. And then Except Annie he had like a, yes. Yes, Annie, yeah, man. is like, is this, is this Jamaican? Jamaican? It's Jamaican. Oh, that God. Was, Take very, me very, back. Very that was serious, so much fun. Very serious. Very, very German. Serious. <laughs> very studious. Very studious. Well, on <sighs> that, should we uh, let's take a break and go get a drink? Yeah. Wine. <laughs> so Jamie's now on wine. Yep. I switched to just because we were just talking about him. I switched to Evan Williams, and maybe this is a good time to uh, to listen to Evan's piece. Is that you? Wait, what? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. So Andrew did not have his headphones in until yes. you said, 
maybe it's a good time to listen to Evan's piece. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, so the Evan Williams excerpt that we're going to listen to is from The Dream Deferred. Yay! Um, <laughs> Just not something to yay about, now that I think about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's really not. It's Sorry. very depressing. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I know. But but it's a great piece for, for a number of reasons. So uh, the world premiere of this was by um, uh, the Dream Unfinished, uh, and Roderick Cox is uh, conducting... The Dream Deferred was uh, commissioned by this activist orchestra, right? And the thing that I love, absolutely love about this, is that Evan uses uh, uh, musical materials that uh, children created um, from a number of youth programs. Um, and so, again, I'm, I'm kind of geeking out over the sense of community that uh, all of our composers in the collective kind of take upon themselves to, you know, engage with um, the, the musical settings around them and kind mm-hmm. of create these opportunities and, and these beautiful artworks. So this was, there, there were school age kid contributors mm-hmm. who yeah. put musical melodies. fragments and yeah. melodies uh, together and then sent them to Evan for this, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. Just making sure I had that clear. And uh, yeah, so he kind of utilizes these uh, in, in the, the fabric of this composition. And, um, and I think from that, in a lot of ways, also engenders uh, a degree of enthusiasm from, you know, uh, maybe a next generation of composers. Who knows, right? Yeah. Uh, this is also, I think, from uh, 2017. A lot of my pieces that I'm selecting are from 2017. This is this is fun. <laughs> it was a good year. Not true. It wasn't a good year. I know. <laughs> it was a good I'm year joking. for writing, but all all else was. Uh... <laughs> I'm joking. Here it is. So I'm now onto the wine. When he drops the bass, 
Yeah. Right. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and and you know it's it's one of these things. We began this podcast with with uh, Rob Deemer's Mirabilis, right? Which was this very exuberant kind of youthful, fanfarish, you know, uh, uh, in some ways childlike innocence kind of celebratory thing, right? Uh, and that was beautiful. And and we come through all of these beautiful pieces, and we get to Evans, and it's this different kind of very heavy dramatic beauty uh and of course with the From with the children. subject right yeah 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 and and the subject matter being uh, you know kind of the title and the piece itself being based upon what the langston hughes uh, uh um text and poetry right uh, the idea that uh, I think it was from Harlem uh, wow. um, and the idea that it's uh, this concert and this piece was about the prison to pipe uh, the the uh, 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 what was it uh, school, school to, to prison, prison pipeline. pipeline. Yeah. 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 Um, that's just such a heavy, weighty contemporary topic. Um, and it's just I think this piece draws attention to it in a very meaningful and beautiful way. Yeah. I lost in it. I'm I'm still I'm still in the sound. I know, I think that's and fair. You spoke a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have right, so- I have blueberry wheat now, so it's gonna maybe I'll speak uh, I know. <laughs> Alright. And that's uh, that's a string orchestra piece or string orchestra and It sounded like remember. it was just strings. I'm I mean, pretty sure it's, it's just it had a harp it. In it. Is, yeah, it is. It yeah. is just strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can do so much with so few staves, and that's an important lesson to remember. Something that needs to slap me in the face more often. So thank you, Evan, for this <laughs> reminder. Thank you, Evan, for this slap in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I said for this reminder. Okay. All right. <laughs> You're an ass. <laughs> Well, well, how about Annie Nykirk's piece next? How about it? Yeah, how sure. How about it? All that right. So, um, again, I, I really gravitated toward not the year 27. Ooh. Did you just hit the microphone? Ooh. No. <laughs> just the cable. Um, I Instead of gravitating towards the uh, the a specific year, I really gravitated towards trying to find their uh, newest recording. So this is another um, newly released recording. Um, this is Flicker for Flute and Electronics, uh, performed by Wayla Chambo. Um, and it's on Annie's new solo album, essentially. It's, it's mm. all of her solo uh, instrument and electronic works that were released on a CD called Spring Shadows earlier this year on the Ravello Records uh, label. So this is, um, this is Flicker. Let's listen to it first.
the magic of filtering. <laughs> right? <laughs> that is such a slow and steady. I mean, obviously, obviously, it's the fire the whole time that's being filtered in the front where you don't know what is what it is. It has a very like metallic sound it like steel rods or something like that right you know partially because of the section i chose because i think earlier on in the piece you do get the pure sound but i really was gravitating towards the the um kind of filtered or or yeah um and the the rhythm of it is so clearly the popping of a fire yeah if you know what the piece is about right but It's paired really well with what she's doing with the flute articulation. And so, yeah, I listened to the whole CD to, uh, today and yesterday. And uh, and this piece just kind of stood out because, like you said, it's just got like this slow and steady build. Kind of like if you're building a fire. Hey! <laughs> hey! <laughs> um, but I also love the play of the overtones at the end, and that's why I chose to leave out the beginning where it was unfiltered. I really wanted to, to get all the way to towards the end of it. And it is only a three-minute piece, so we could listen to most of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. I, I find myself, you know, with a lot of students, especially my, well, of course, especially in my electronic class, but even in my just composition lessons, I keep telling them like, you know, this would be a lot better if it just slowly changed over time it, because it's like a lot yeah. of a lot of the times it's like a background element. And I'm like, the background yep. would be so much better if it actually got somewhere, you know, have a little life to it. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. I had, like and this this was a, a lesson that Chapman Welch taught me in my very first um <laughs> uh semester at rice and he i was working on a fixed media piece and uh my first uh real fixed media piece and it had like this kind of texture that was going on in the background he'd be like dude this be so much better if over these like um, over this minute and a half you just raised it slowly by a semitone that's it yeah you know yeah it's imperceptible but it's still like it feels the the overall feeling is that we got somewhere instead of just we were here the whole time yeah. you know but that's what i really like about this that it it gets somewhere slowly even though that that texture isn't the main thing that we should probably be listening for we should probably be listening right. for the flute cuz it has you know the main ideas in there there's a there's a 9 inch nails song that i use to articulate this a lot <laughs> Um, it's called nice. copy copy of a uh, in the like in the song it's copy of a copy of a copy of a copy that's yeah. the, um, but anyway it starts out with uh, with this um, uh, ostinato in some sort of synth and that just keeps on going the entire song but the whole opening and on through the rest of the song because it's a synth they're just playing with the with the knobs and the sliders (laughs) and the buttons on the synth to alter the timbre throughout the entire song and i Mm -hmm. use this all the time i'm like your piece should do this you know like if you have something that's not going to change it should Mm -hmm. still change right yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and that's it. it uh you know it's it's 
in some cases, it's when you when you first come to that realization or are shown that particular idea or technique, um, uh, it feels, oh, it's like, oh, that's so simple or that's so obvious. But it's one of the things that makes a huge difference in, in a composition is if there is just continual movement of all parameters, that nothing is truly static. Yeah. So the last time I was observed um, for teaching at, at Fredonia... Um, you know, like we get observed every year for the first couple of years and then they, they give you like a three year break. And I was observed in a written theory class and then an oral skills class. And so I think the third time I was observed, it was like, Gordon, can you please like come see me teach a composition lesson? Yeah, right. Um, and, and you know, I, I'd never gotten a bad teaching review. I just wanted a little bit of variety. So he, and this was, this was Gordon Root, who's the chair of our theory yeah, uh, yeah. area, right? And he's yeah. usually the one who's doing the observing because he's, uh, yeah. Um, so he comes to this composition lesson and he was fascinated by it because he never really sat in on a composition lesson. And, um, at one point he was like, well, you know, I would have, the only advice I would, I kind of have is that I would have opted for, for more variety in the piece. And I was like, She's a junior. Um, I really want unity in a piece. That's harder to do. Yes. <laughs> Much <laughs> that's, harder to that's do. That's harder to get them to do at this age <laughs> than it is for them to have variety. And he was like, you know, I never had ever thought about that. That being like a difficult thing to attain. I was like, mm -hmm. welcome to our struggle. <laughs> Join us. Join us. We'll commiserate. <laughs> <laughs> which, which actually, you know, he, uh, 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 Gordon Root, um, is a Schoenberg scholar, yep. but also he, he writes a lot of pop tunes. Mm -hmm. uh, he teaches one of our, our pop music classes at, uh, at Fredonia. Um, and, uh, he's, you know, uh, not, not to say it's directly from this observation, but he's just been getting into the whole kind of composition sort of mentality of things. And, and it's, it's so, it's so great to, you know, be around colleagues who are constantly kind of in a creative mentality as opposed to uh, kind of a react. Uh, uh, how do I want to say it? Like, what, what is the opposite of a creative mentality? I don't even know. Maybe I'm not creative enough to figure that out. Creative mentality. <laughs> <laughs> Isolated, maybe? I don't know. Um, why am I not able to to command the English language at the moment? I wonder. Because um, this is your fourth Zoom call of the oh day. Oh my God, at least. I can't, I just can't even. Um... <laughs> Well, you think about it. <laughs> I and will while think about you it. do that, I'll do you this. You should let's, do a thing. Let's talk about uh, Hong Da Chin's piece. Um, this oh, yeah. is The Clock is Ticking for String Quartet. Um, he writes that it's an homage to Ligeti. And um, once mm. you hear it, I, I think it'll be fairly clear. Like he's kind of referencing the third movement of Ligeti's Chamber Concerto, the one that that's kind of like ticking clocks or he could be referencing like the metronome piece or or something mm -hmm. like that you <laughs> yeah know? but he the the it's for a string quartet and it's a you know it's just a five minute piece and he talks about there's a duality between the coligno battuto gestures that you'll hear in the clip that i've chosen you'll hear that first and the kind of melodic line and that's really what i wanted to get to with this piece is is listening to you know um kind of at the climax of the work the the melodic line um mm. it's uh I, I just i just think it's really nice uh what he's what he's done so uh let's listen to this it's the clock is ticking by hong da chin <laughs> 
I screwed up. <laughs> I'm a bad DJ. Oh, man. I was trying to get back you, to my notes. You ruined the wedding. I ruined it. I'll be able to cut that out. Or just leave it in. Who cares? Okay. Um, uh, so there was, I'm, I'm actually on my phone right now because I'm looking up the definition of a word that I think I want to use for this piece. So somebody else, somebody else well, go. So what we, oh what God. we heard, not Andrew Cody's piece at the very end, but the, the last, um, the last fascinating punctuation. Yes. The last little thing we heard, um, with the, uh, the cello and the violin, uh, duet, you know, that's separated by several octaves right after the cl- climax it really reminds me of um uh beat Führer, um from something like uh his piece uh lorofagos for voice and double bass just this I like i think i'm familiar with this. oh you need to get familiar with it it's a good one. Oh man um but yeah it's that like uh unison well not unison but like unison line at the at octave two octave three octave or something like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in these little like eh, 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 you know that those like little uh melodic cells i like it i like it a lot <laughs> yeah i uh i love the texture of is that of the word you this. have to look up no that was not no the the word that i was trying to i was trying to decide what kind of a word to use for the the melodic material toward the end um sinuous wasn't really quite what i was after yeah it was the first it was the first thing that came to me but not not the right definition of of what i of of what i'm i'm feeling that that material does um for me because the the opening of the piece is actually quite a lot of the Coligno Batuto um, with little interjections here and there. But for me, when when you get to this point, um, this melodic, like we, it's it's almost like the music can't take it anymore and it just, it raptures. It, yeah, yeah, it has to, it has <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah. Huh. So r- r- I, rapturous would be my word. <laughs> I, you know, I always, um, I always have to, I can't help but smile, right. In, in the middle of a performance of a piece that I'm listening to, or, or if I'm just listening to a piece on, on, uh, you know, uh, uh, uh headphones or, or whatever, um, the, when there's a moment that feels like it just has to happen. Yeah. That, that's always really magical for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, that's just like the piece has come to this moment, and that has to. It just has to do what it's doing it's right ine- now. It fe- like it feels inevitable. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's. I think that's like the hardest thing to do as a composer is to build in that sense of inevitability, where it's <laughs> like this feels right because it what it it is what it needs to feel right now. Yeah, you know when I have those ideas. It's like three hours past the deadline. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not joking. There's there's um and it is funny, but it's also kind of not funny. And we 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 there's this huge guilt trip and sway in our culture and in our industry, specifically composition of of you know, missing deadlines, and it's such a horrendous thing to do. And I used to totally agree. And now 
the closer I get to a deadline, the more great ideas I have. And, and yeah, there's a time and a place to like make those decisions and say, now's not the time. But really frequently, it's because I'm completely immersed in the piece and I'm living it from day to day. And I know I'm barreling towards this deadline that I find the inevitable thing that must occur and then it's late. It has to be late because this thing has to happen. And those are our greatest moments. And the and the more uh, deadlines I miss. You're going to get a reputation. Um, oh, I, well, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Like, I don't already have one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the more the more that I experience this in works, the more that I'm kind of convinced that you need this full immersion period. And we just either need to build it in sooner or we really need that desperation of like the end of this project is so near and you're completely immersed and that's what causes it. And I yeah. think it's kind of a mix of both. I don't think if you're not in a pressure cooker environment, I don't think you can always find those moments or coerce those moments out of the music. I think it needs the pressure cooker. Honestly, like the uh, my my piece, um, struggling in excess, mm-hmm. that was a pressure cooker piece, and I still yeah. feel like I, it's one of my favorite pieces of of my own because mm-hmm. because of the circumstances. Like, no, you must finish this before you move out of the country that has the eight speakers. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and it will be months and months and months until you're in an environment. Bef- uh, where you can have that stuff again like no you yeah. have to finish this right now yeah um well and and, and the I, piece I, that... but i met the deadline but you met the deadline <laughs> i was a little behind on my left coast chamber ensemble commission in the fall and it part of the reason was i a couple of things i'd been working on it for months and it wasn't like i hadn't been diligent i was every morning at 10 a.m i or at 9 a.m 10 a.m i don't remember which one of them I sat down and I hammered out, thank you, (laughs) I hammered out that piece and just there was something missing from it. And about the 11th hour, something clicked and I went, okay, this is what's going to make this piece magical. So I need to fix it. Yeah. Because it's not doing what it needs to do now. And I'm really happy with the way it turned out, but I did miss that deadline. And, you know, we even talked, I think it was last week about the shame of missing deadlines and I'm a little bit over it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think they're important, but I also think they're important to just force us to find this, what's going on in the piece that is special. And we need, <laughs> we need that urgency yeah. to you really get that, to it. You need that call to whoever, or even if it's just a conversation with yourself that fuck, I'm not, <laughs> I am not going to make it. You know, yeah. I'm, I, I'm this, like, you need that doubt. You need that fear almost. Mm-hmm. And that, that, you know, f- for me, that doubt and fear usually comes depending, like, depending on how long the piece is and depending on when the deadline is, if I'm really, really up close to it, it usually comes about five days before the deadline when I'm like, I'm not going to finish. There's just no way. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think it can't it's, happen. It but, can't happen. But I think it's I think it's important to have that conversation because mm-hmm. you've gotten all of those feelings out to either you know whoever a friend, uh, your partner, 
a mentor, whatever, you've gotten those feelings out and you can just like put them to bed and like, okay, I, then it's almost like I go into it saying, okay, I've made my peace with not finishing it, but let's still try. You know? Yeah, exactly. And then you like really push yourself into that space where you find those those magical moments, you know. Yeah. Yep. And then and then even you might finish on time. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Right, right? Yeah. Sometimes, uh, sometimes not. <laughs> I mean, yeah. D- did you want me to go with the next piece? Is that Do you want to go first? Who do we have left? Do you just have two left, Rob? I just have the two of you. Um, so okay, we I have... need to, we still need to get, uh, Cherie, we need to get Carter. And then the three of us, I believe. Yeah, I think that's it. Why don't you let me go first? You let's, got Let's it. talk about Carter's let's grain elevator. Let's do it. Grain elevator. <laughs> grain elevator, <laughs> yes. Um, and then we'll get We we'll were get talking about so. silos earlier. Now there's an elevator. And... There is, is an there's elevator. There's a thread of continuity. Look at all these uh, motives that are reappearing. And I was going to say, you know, um, on Annie's CD, she wrote a piece for Adam Vidixis, uh, who nice. is one of the Splice yeah. uh, ensemble and organizers. Yep. And now Carter's piece, Grain Elevator, was written for Sam Wells and was performed at the first annual Splice Festival, which took place at Western Michigan. And, and Sam is another Rob, Splice, uh, Splice yes, ensemble, ensemble and, member. And an organizer um, of the festival. And the last event I think you and I went to, Rob, was Splice 3. It was. Not it not was. me. I, I had I had the, the Tutti Festival at Denison. Well, aren't you special? Look, it, it happened and everyone was still like <laughs> Okay, are we gonna we're we gonna touch elbows and like it was, <laughs> that was the last thing I did and everyone was already Fair like enough. really freaked out and then like the next yeah. day Seamus went down and everything else went down so yeah yeah but oh Splice everybody's was, freaked out Splice there was so good nobody told us until we were already at Splice that the fourth and fifth cases documented cases of of the virus in the U S uh, were at Miami University yeah. That's true. So that's wild. I didn't tell Andrew until I'd been home for a week. <laughs> nope. See, no, no problems. Blissful ignorance. That's anyways, right. anyways. So that was one of the last things we all got to do this spring was go to Splice. <laughs> so I feel like there is there are many threads of continuity, but this is um, Carter Rice's Grain Elevator performed uh, by Sam Wells. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's trumpet and electronics, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. my, my ears aren't broken. <laughs> even no. even after all of the after all the blueberry. Wheat. Well, I bring it up because, um, you know, it's not uh, brass instruments and electronics. Are You look like you have a thought. No, Rob. no I yeah, want I you to finish what you're saying, but I, I already think I know where you're going. 
Uh, well, I mean, it's um, we don't hear a lot of that combination. Okay. I think Rob's been to more Tr- electronics <laughs> conferences than we have been Trom- in the past five years. Trombone is a favorite among oh. among composers for writing for electronics. There are quite a lot of trombone and fixed media or trombone and, and, and live electronics. And actually horn is becoming uh, a new instrument that yes, people are exploring. Uh, yeah, there's several uh, there's several horn players that I know of who are really gung ho about expanding that that kind of literature. Yeah. I I honestly don't know how many trumpet and electronic pieces. Few. I mean, I think the there's I think Sam is kind of leading. Yeah, <laughs> leading He's the charge. Leading here. One, of, charge. one yeah. of the ones that's leading the charge. I know that Elaney uh, has a trumpet and live electronics piece. I can't remember what it's called. I heard it at EMM. Probably mm-hmm. yep, in she does. 2011 or something like that. Um, God, I almost think... Is that November Twilight or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's is November that, Twilight. Is that what it is? And then there's that um, uh, James Moberly piece, um, mm. uh, Icarus Wept, for trumpet and... It's it's either trumpet and organ and fixed media or trumpet and fixed media. I think sometimes the organ is like contained within the fixed media. Within but, the media? Yeah, huh. yeah. But that that... I think off the top of my head, those are the two like other like trumpet and electronics pieces I can really come up with. I don't know if Davidovsky has one. I don't think he does. Well, like, like uh, I don't remember a synchronism in that. In That's that what I'm saying. Or, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, but it, uh, I I do not claim to be the expert on on uh, fixed media or 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 uh, live instrument and electronic kind of pieces. Um, but yeah, it's it's I I always think about not not that brass instruments are incapable of producing multiple timbres, but you know, with the electronic music gurus being so interested in exploring all of the sounds and all of the potential, I feel like sometimes um, brass instruments are maybe relegated to a, oh they can only do certain types of things or oh they're too loud or oh I don't want to deal with their spectra in in the kind of like how how this is all. Uh, unfolding technologically um, I think that's, uh, and technically. I think that's part of it. But I also yeah. think that, like you say, you know, there just are probably fewer brass players that are ready to get into this kind of stuff. So when you find someone like Sam mm-hmm. or, you know, like the multiple trombone players I've known that have been <laughs> doing pieces, um, when you find those people, it's like cherish them. You know, and, yeah, definitely. And write and write for them because they're 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 leading, uh, they're fighting the good fight for for their instrument. You know, and part of me thinks there's actually um, uh, not just the untapped potential of maybe it's not done as frequently incorporating like a brass instrument in this kind of context, but but the idea that perhaps it actually. Um, puts a spotlight or a focus on the composer's skill because if you're going to pull it off and make it successful, it has to be musically satisfying because you cannot simply rely on the next circus thing that this, that this, or the next really cool sound. It's not about the sound and maybe the technology. It's about, no, how are you putting the piece together? Well, and I think you're skirting around this, but it's, it's, (laughs) 
it's marrying the sound of the instrument to the sound of the electronics, making sure they sound like one continuous thread rather than one is in one space and one is in a different space and their their only connection is that they're being played in the same room. Is that is that one of the reasons you chose this clip? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually I I was listening to some of Carter's recent Mm. works and the opening gesture of this really i found it really compelling mm. um and so i yeah no it has such a big again I, I keep coming back to the thread of of the type of space i hear mm. these in yeah and you know grain elevator big space big siloy space going on and i feel like the trumpet Boom. is yeah. yeah 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 connected in a really thorough way in this yeah, I like that idea I, of thorough, like a thorough I, connection. I might also be a little self-conscious because I don't feel like my own recent electronic works do that particularly elegantly. It sometimes feels a little bit like, well, there's a bassoon and there's a soundtrack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, there's still more I'm planning to do to help the performer link those two together because I do really love that piece. But um, sometimes it feels a little bit like they are doing the same thing in the same room. And I don't feel that way about Carter's music. Yeah. Hardly ever, really. <laughs> hmm. We love Carter. We do love Carter. Bro beans. No. Sorry. That's... I don't know what's going on. Well, Carter. Um, I don't, I'll, I'll tell you why. Because. Um, <laughs> oh, good. When... We didn't ask. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, well, never keep mind. I'll just story. Drink. No, Aww. tell your story. <laughs> no, one of the last times uh, when we were doing the mixtape, I think we were doing the mixtapes or something like that um, right before I left China. And um, what I was, I think at that point, because I had kind of shut down the studio, I wasn't even in my office anymore. I didn't have anything in my office. So I was doing podcasts from my home. And mm. the entire the the apartment was like this big echoey chamber space because we didn't Bam have anything space. in there anymore. So I was trying <laughs> to like deaden it as much as possible, but it was all it was also summer, so it was hot. <laughs> so I was wearing this like uh, sleeves cut off shirt, and uh, I got on I got on. <laughs> With Carter to record the thing. He was like, sup, beefcake. (laughs) (laughs) And since that moment, he has called me beefcake and I've called him bro beans. So. Oh, wow. That story was worth it, I think. (laughs) I I, I thank you for that. Bro beans. Oh, God. Anyway. All right. Well, continuing, continuing down the realm of of uh, pieces to explore. Uh, the next one on my list here is by uh, Cynthia Van Manen, and uh, it you know like all of these that we've talked about, this idea of collaboration uh, is kind of at the heart of each one of these projects and each one of these pieces. Um, this is really a, a a really strong study of that collaborative process. Um, in uh, the 2018-2019 academic year at uh, Interlochen School for the Arts, where uh, Cherie teaches as the composition instructor, um, she collaborated with uh, uh, Brittany, um, uh, where I got to find it in my notes, hold on. 
You know um, it's a disaster. I, they're not a di- they're, they're right here in front of my face. You've gotten lost Maybe three times. Maybe my face is a disaster. Oh! Um, so Brittany, uh, Brittany Cavallaro, uh, who is the poet, and Laura Osgood-Brown, who is a soprano, and uh, Cynthia Van Manen, they, they collaborated together. And it started out as a collaboration between like their studios, right? Their students would work on uh, projects that involve uh, songs and, and text setting uh, and the collaborative process. And they decided to kind of model this activity for their students. And so the piece that uh, I want to kind of uh, extra right now is Complicity um, by uh, Cynthia Van Manen. Um, and so I think that's, that's good for an introduction and uh, we'll take a listen to it and maybe have a talk. So this this type of modeling the creative process and modeling collaboration between uh, uh, artists who are you know creating text and and creating music and performing and having this synergy and feedback um, I've actually been a little um, it's been it's been kind of a curiosity to me when I when I meet some composers who are kind of averse to peeling back the curtain of the creative process mm-hmm. or the collaborative process and allowing their students into that kind of mm-hmm. inner sanctum, yeah. um, you know, treating it as like, Oh, this is, I'll, I'll teach you technique from afar. This isn't for you. It's like, this is it's like Schoenberg with his students, you know, no, 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 no. that's not for you. <laughs> um, I feel like it's a whole generation 
Mm, it might be a gener a kind of a generate like a generational gap. Oh, it's definitely a generational gap. Um, that, there's zero doubt about that. But the the idea that uh, <laughs> that some Jamie. some teachers and well perhaps perhaps some teachers didn't necessarily want to you know uh, uh, seem overbearing or maybe maybe say to their nope. students thou shalt write this way. Although some teachers nope. definitely did. <laughs> um. There was, there's the secrecy about how to be successful as a composer. And I say this with certainty hmm. because I've had so many people interested in what I teach as far as entrepreneurship goes and what I'm writing about as far as comp composers being entrepreneurs. And I still get people who are studying in the past five years who say, my teacher is of a specific generation and they do not want to share how they became successful. And, and in that, in that light, I don't think it's like, they don't, they don't want to share because it's not relevant. It's like, it's a secret sauce. You know what I mean? Like they don't want, they don't want to give that recipe away in some cases. And I, I never understood that as a, as a composition teacher currently, I am all about, oh, you guys are working on this project and you know what? So am I. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we are, uh, how, how much better I think uh, is that, a, uh, let, let me put it this way. I feel that is such a better way of going about it because we all have an opportunity to learn from each other, teacher, student, mentor, mentee, right? This And the students get to see a collaboration on a different level. Honestly, it would be brilliant, I think, to do a kind of collaboration at the student level at the same time the faculty at that university are collaborating. And then you pair it with professionals outside that university Ooh. that come in. And so you, right, you get this, this multi-layered perspective. I think this type of thing, um, I, I, I think it's one of uh, uh, Cynthia's uh, strongest qualities is yeah. her openness and her collaborative nature and her willingness to kind of uh, share what she learns with other people. It's Absolutely. so cool. Yep. As I was listening to this, I was, um, I was, I had the thought, do you guys have any particular instruments that maybe you don't write for so much because of personal relationships that oh. went awry in the past. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a, like, it wasn't a romantic relationship, no. but it was certainly sure. a relationship. <laughs> but like trombones, Trombone oh, you're actually going to give us the list. Be forewarned. <laughs> well, I, I was... My trombone parts will never not be exhausting. Because as a first and second bassoonist for my entire life, turnabout is fair fucking play. <laughs> Keep in mind that uh, Evan Williams, a dear member of our collective, is a is trombone not player. <laughs> on the chopping block here, but there are plenty of others that are. <laughs> I've just, like, I was listening to this and I was like, wow, I don't have anything for cello. Oh yeah, I remember why. <laughs> God, yeah, that's funny. Um, I don't. Let me, I have to think about this because maybe I'll put my foot in my mouth. 
I don't think I have any instruments that are off limits. I, now I've certainly had. It's not that the uh, cello little, is off limits. It's just it's not a, a thing that I'm ever going to jump to. You know. Gotcha. All right. Fair. Fair. It's not. It's not at the forefront of your mind because no. maybe it was tainted or colored by a a, a gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, huh. Something. Something like that. <laughs> Actually, a couple different things like that. But. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But anyway, that's, I, you know, that's just I think, the thought I had. Well, well, I think my memory is such where I pr- I won't remember anyway, and I'll just be like, "Ooh, cello." <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a boat. <laughs> Speaking of thread of continuity, right? I love it. Well, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about um, some some Andrew Martin Smith music. Oh no! Oh no! It's that time. <laughs> Yay! So Andrew's piece is called Substratum, and it's for piano, and it's part of the hashtag Forty Five Miniatures project that Nick Phillips mm-hmm. uh, did. That a bunch of adjectivians participated <laughs> in. <laughs> um, so you say that like you've got a stick stuck up your ass. <laughs> I think that's the only way you can say that word. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, it's supposed to be said like the who's down in Whoville. No, it it really comes <laughs> off as oh, no. darling, the adjectivians are gathering for as, as he, for as he, as he this afternoon. The yes, actually, I love it. I love it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm getting double birds from Jamie right now. Um, Nonsense! I would never do that. Right. So in this in this piece, you blended musical materials from. The national anthems. Of course, if, if if anyone doesn't know what the hashtag 45 Miniatures project is, it was... Check it out. Yeah, check it out. There's a website. I think it's just 45miniatures.com. And yep. um, a lot of composers have contributed to this. Um, it was it was more than 45. I can tell you that much. Um, mm-hmm. but Well, the 45 is not the number of them. It yes, is a reference to... It is to a reference to our current uh, president who's, you know... Just what? Just, just doing a fantastic job. Um, best job. The best job. Yeah. The g- beautiful, the beautiful best job. He has beautiful words. <laughs> anyway, um, Nick, I, you know, I think you guys know the story better than I do. But Nick kind of put this out on Facebook. Like, hey, if I if I did this, would anyone? If I put out this call, would anyone do this? Would anyone write a piece like this? And then he got an overwhelming response. (laughs) Um, They're basically all kind of protest pieces. Um, Yes. You know. So you were melding together materials from the national anthems of the United States of America and the USSR. Correct. Now, I honestly, I can hear the USSR themes. I didn't hear anything that reminded me of the Star Spangled Banner. And I thought that was very fitting that I couldn't pick out the USA even when I was listening for it. I don't know if that was your intention, but it really worked for me within the whole scope of this this piece. Oh, we're we're gonna let's listen to it and we'll talk. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's hear it and see uh, see what you can pick out. So this is substratum.
So did he choose not to play the last chord? He chose not to play the last ah, chord. I was wondering. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah, I love that in your in your notes, you you tell the player they can they can choose the the <laughs> to play the last chord, uh, or to not play the last chord. And what mm-hmm. was it, what was the verbiage the in stipulation? There? Uh, well, the 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 verbiage is something along the lines of um, if they thought that uh, America had become great again, they could play the last chord. Uh, if they felt that America is a, a continually evolving set of imperfections, more or less, uh, they could choose not to play the last chord, or they could choose to play the last chord. Didn't really matter because America is still a free country for the moment. Yes, there it is. <laughs> so here's what I, the, you know, the benefit of having the three of us talk about our own pieces is that you know we're here to answer questions. So, yep. I mean. Knowing what I know about you, oh God, <laughs> I'm guessing that the uh, the Star Spangled Banner material is so set theory mangled <laughs> that there's no possibility that we could pick it out. It's horribly mangled. Um, the they inter- leave the Grinch. So interestingly enough, Carrie's Grinch. Interestingly enough. Uh, <laughs> the the fundamental part of this piece is uh swapping the rhythmic and harmonic information of the two so the rhythmic and harmonic information or the the harmonic information for the star spangled banner is given to the rhythmic information of the soviet union's national anthem and vice versa and they're treated at, at different temporal. Yeah, I see you blink, 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 blink. So I was correct that it was mangled. I just didn't have the right tool that mm-hmm. mangled it. Mm, exactly. And, and so, but what it does is it that process does obscure the Star Spangled Banner a wee bit. But I also found that there's a there's a lot of similarities like there's a few moments where it's like, oh, crap, this is this is almost identical in the uh, between the two in in certain moments where it's like, oh, that actually sounds like one or that actually sounds like the other. But I got there through the mangling of both. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I think what was funny is that the the USSR national anthem is far more recognizable through the manglement. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so so there's some things that line up rhythmically with it that just doesn't happen in the national anthem when you when you do the reverse. Well, and uh, the, what is the, what is the opening? Because uh, I'm so cheeky with this piece. The opening character indication is oh, a great waltzy march. Because of course, the Star Spangled Banner is one of the only <laughs> one of the few national anthems that's in like. Three. Right. Yeah. Triple meter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um but uh, but yeah, there's there are there are there is some level of abstraction and obscurity. Plus, whenever I thought that the Star Spangled Banner would be too overt, I would do something to subvert it. Like there's a uh, there's a moment of planing uh, about yeah, two thirds of the way like through the piece, Tony. right? Type stuff, yeah, right? that's that's definitely because I'm like, oh, the Star Spangled Banner is popping too much out in the texture. So, but again, that that planing is the rhythm of the Soviet national anthem, but with the with the pitch material that would have been occurring in the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> I just said, whole Tony, 
but I'd said it again in my head like, oh, that's the, that's the whole Tony, like as a part of, as opposed to part of Tony, you know, yeah, exactly. the whole Tony. Yes. It's important to get all of Tony in this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't drop him. It's oh my goodness. Well, on that note, should we should we go to Rob McClure? Let's go to Rob McClure's. <gasps> what? Yes, you. you. Yes. So the piece we chose for Rob was Sounding Field, the deep. The deep. Yes. The and deep. this is thematically very, very tied serious, to my life German. lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, it was it was a good idea to save ours to the last because we're drunk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. So this was performed by the Ohio University Band under the direction of Remind Me. Andy Traxel, who yeah. is Andy now Traxel. is now the head of uh, bands at University of North Texas. That's Woot. amazing. It is amazing and for I- him. It's a <laughs> it's a loss for us because he <laughs> he's amazing. But our new band director, uh, Will Talley, is also quite amazing and we're very happy to have him so yeah i'm looking forward to get to know him know him in the future Mm -hmm. yeah all right so this piece was originally a trio for your brass faculty correct yes for um the uh three uh three basso uh faculty trio fantastic and then you were asked by andy to turn this into kind of a concerto for the three of them plus band right yeah well realistically i was asked by andy to have a piece for omea (laughs) yes yes and he wanted it to feature as many uh ou faculty as possible nice Ah, so there we go well, that seems perfect, Ben. Yes. <laughs> I got three of them, you know. Ta-da! Awesome. All right. So let's listen to the opening of this because I listened to the whole thing. And as amazing as segments are, I can't get, I can't not have everyone listen to the opening. It's just kind of, well, you tell me. Let's, let's do it.
Sorry, Jason. We oh, cut off yeah. your solo. <laughs> oh. What is that timbre in the middle of everything? Uh, which one? It's a little, sounds like a jaw harp. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, whap, 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 that thing? Yeah. Uh, it is bass trombone, bass trombone with a Harmon mute stem in and the kind of wah wah effects on it. Mm, okay. We also like. So that, that I'm that's glad the, everybody else. That's the bass trombone in the ensemble. In the ensemble, accompanying uh, yeah. the the solo bass trombone who has that same lick. So mm-hmm. it's happening at the same time. Awesome. Yeah. It's kind of funny to listen to it through our, I mean, I'm glad everybody else can hear this like properly, right. but listening through Zoom yeah. and what do you, loop back loop or back, whatever, yeah. loop back and, loop and back. everything, we're getting like really hilarious peaks of sound and then almost nothing. And so I my, like, I don't mean to insult anyone with the jaw harp remark. <laughs> I think it's because um, Zoom, like you have to fix your settings so that it doesn't like, uh, cut and we and haven't. Yeah, I, yeah, no we were planning has. on using a different program. Anyways, oh, well, yeah. So um, Andrew and I've been joking lately. Um, I've started playing chess again, and he's been begging. And um, I love chess. There, there is this rule. There's kind of a set of governing rules of chess, and they're more like guidelines. They're more like guidelines, <laughs> and I wrote them into my latest opera, which is supposed to be premiered. Well, it's supposed to have been premiered a couple of times now, and we've pushed it back to the fall. And but, pandemic. Right. And But one of them is don't move your queen too soon. Mm. Don't put her into play earlier than you should, yeah. in air quotes. And so I, I was joking the other night, it was, we were playing a game that every time the queen moves, I feel like there should be like this... Oh, you know, the, like, the opening of your piece <laughs> and i've been i've been using um hans zimmer's like third dream level in inception as that cue and now i've got to replace it oh, yeah i just feel like well, this is so much better <laughs> sounding um, field well, well i think uh, um the, the thing that I find most fascinating is that we were actually in a rehearsal of this piece, right? Yeah, uh, you so were. We you were, you at, were around. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I remember like being in the back, taking some pictures, and 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 you know, kind of kind of witnessing the rehearsal process uh, going on. And you know, uh, this comes on the heels of having conversations with you previously about where we were talking about maybe using previous pieces and and incorporating aspects or entire things into yep. larger projects or, or things of larger scope um and and so i th- i just think the translation of the original trio into this environment is really effective thank you like the the trio's cool i kind of like the ensemble piece better <laughs> i kind of do too opinion. honestly yeah. <laughs> you know i the, the trio use 80 people the trio still has a a special place in my heart but i mean come on right there when it ended and you heard all the horns and trumpets that were muted or stopped doing the yeah like come on you can't do that with only three people it's true you know and honestly that that piece for me was just it was a lot of fun to do because i was just orchestrating 
you know, like yeah, there I yeah. I would say there's about like five percent new material in the mm-hmm. in the sounding field, the deep, as opposed to sounding field for the just the trio, and it's just a couple harmonies here and there to like kind of flesh things out a little bit more on the on the top end, but. Uh, it was really fun to do because you know orchestration's fun um, for me at least. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Um, agreed. And and we don't yeah. get to do it that often. And um, mm-hmm. it, I'll I'll never forget this. Um, it was after one of the rehearsals, one of you know, and a fairly early rehearsal. Um, Jason uh, Jason Smith, the tuba uh, faculty at OU, we finished the rehearsal, and he turns to me. He was like, "Man, you're a good orchestrator." I wouldn't I really wouldn't expect that from you because you're you're like an electronic guy and I'm like maybe it's because I'm an electronic guy. That mm. right there. Ta-da. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm going to spoiler alert. I've already told everybody that I incorporate uh, Andrew Cody's uh, ulterior motives into my pedagogical lectures and and things for beginning composition. Uh, there are a number of the adjectivians or the adjective composer collective members. Um, Stop it. Who, uh, who, uh, they're large ensemble pieces. I mean, we heard uh, one of Rob Deemer's. Yep. We heard a large ensemble piece by Evan Williams, right? Um, and and I'm, I, uh, I actually use those for orchestration. Rob, you're on my list because of this very fact that you're taking something that was essentially, let, let's say, a uh, short score, yeah. right? Of the because it was something that was already composed and orchestrating it out, and it's it's like it's what I would do with a burial piece, like uh, taking a look right. at how the second movement of Symphonia is actually directly taken from O King, right? Mm-hmm literally note for note measure by measure you can see how it gets exploded out for you know an orchestra the size of the new york philharmonic or, instead of just the chamber ensemble right or for or like uh with barrio um the oboe sequenza and then uh which number is it i can't remember the shamal piece Oh, 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 is oh. Two uh, or four or something. I don't know. Oh, you played one of them, Jamie. I'm looking at you, but I can't. Yes, I yeah, know what you're talking it's about. It's one of those. Yeah. 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 This? Mm, saxophone? For the, I don't remember. I, I think it's remember. a saxophone sequence that got turned into a concerto, right? Which is Maybe. I mean, oboe, sure. oboe is definitely one of those uh, pieces where it's like oboe and 11 strings. Yeah, I did not do that as a bassoonist. Thanks. I've I've also I've also done. The, <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, it was the saxophone concerto. The other thing that I talk about and bring up to students repeatedly is Elliot Carter taking like shard, uh, the 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 solo guitar work, mm-hmm. and that literally be that he just sticks the entire piece in the middle of a larger ensemble piece, Lehman. Right. Right. I just mm. think that's that's yeah a lot of fun. Um, I mean this this whole idea for me like. I I think I was I, I know at one point or another I was talking with my former teacher Shihui Chen and uh I think she had done this a couple times and I was kind of hem hawing around like uh, is that kind of cheating and she's like who cares <laughs> Barrio did it who cares yeah like I was like Thank you, Shihui. You just gave me the license to to do something like this. So. I feel like we need a recording of our teachers saying that more often. Yeah. Just like, oh, I'm really stuck in my own head about this, and uh, uh, G- giving uh, us giving who cares? Us, giving us license yeah. to create. Yes, exactly. Yep. Explore. Do yes. the thing. Yep. Well, love it. 
we we've reached the finale. We've arrived. We've arrived, we've arrived. <laughs> at Jamie Lee Sampson and her piece Sample Rate. So you know, I had I had pitched another piece. Doesn't matter. We're doing this one. It doesn't. It doesn't. I was overruled twice over here. <laughs> so this piece is a song cycle for uh, voice and piano, and you and the soprano that we're going to hear, Amanda Debor Bartlett, you and she wrote the text for this piece over several years. Yeah, yeah. And the text kind of tells the story of a character that we don't we only learn about through kind of eavesdropping in mm. on only their side of conversations. And the the range is like this is an entire life. Like from the first movement yeah. to the last movement, the age 14 to age 94, that's 80 years. Oh my god. That's a life. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's a life. Um, so, <laughs> Jamie likes small projects. Yeah, very, very small, very, very manageable. <laughs> I have to. Why do I miss deadlines? <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple of things I want to point out because this is this is a multi movement work. Um, there, in the second movement, this line that you have: "What the hell am I going to do with a cell phone? Who the fuck am I going to call?" And you had to set those lines. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the second movement caused me so much stress. So much stress. I can't even tell you. And Amanda had to sing them in front of the pianist's eight-year-old. Ooh, well. Can I tell you, what the hey am I going to, who the hey am I going to call? Right. <laughs> just like popped right out of her mouth. I was like, you know, you're brilliant. I <laughs> what love the you. hey? <laughs> who the fudge? Um, who the fudge? And then another thing that you're doing that I thought was really interesting, because we're only hearing one side of the story, you know, we're only hearing the narrator sing, um, or, you know, we're hearing them talking on the phone. Yeah. Talk on a phone. Yeah. You use a lot of times you use the piano to kind of like answer the singer. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of Charlie Brown's teacher, <laughs> you know, like using a musical device to like stand in for speech. I thought yep. that was I thought that was really interesting. So here's here's a question: Did y'all write out the other side of these conversations? No. Wow. No. No. We we went on the idea that. Well, first of all, you know, when I pitched this to Amanda, I called her and said, I've had this idea for like three years. And she was like, cool, I'm in. Um, And I told her that I had text for some of the movements. And she said, well, tell me what you don't have. And she had poetry and text just kind of hanging out for the other three movements. She sent them to me in less than 24 hours. So she wrote the text for the second movement, including the, uh, who the fuck am I going to call? And the third movement, um, and they were kind of based on on her life in her early twenties, and and um, you know where she was and and how life felt for her. And then she had this beautiful poem that really wasn't a one sided phone conversation, but we could adapt it to kind of being a sort of possibly dementia-esque we're not sure if she's on the phone farewell mm. at the end and i read Ereth, um the the final text and i think i had a really great cry 
And then I wrote that movement first or second. I wrote that movement second. It was, it was I apologize. Yeah. I, I, I wrote the bookends. I wrote 14 and 94 first and then worked my way in. Yeah. Um, but no, we, we never wrote the other side of the conversation. Now, in a couple of cases, I knew the other side of the conversation right. because they were based in real life. So ripped from the headlines. I think we are going to be listening to one of those movements. <laughs> um, so this, uh, I I want to listen to part of the sixth movement, and this is plenty oh, yeah. <laughs> plenty of inappropriate responses. So <laughs> let's just listen to it first, and then I have I have some things to say. <laughs> It's an aisle if I say it's an aisle. <laughs> it is. Why next? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I can hear I can hear this song in your in your particular voice so much. But yeah. but I but I also am kind of privy to the story behind it. So, go ahead. T- t- tell us what's behind this one. Okay. All right. So this one, a couple of these were were right from my life and this is one of them. And in this particular case, I am I am not the one doing the calling from the cookie aisle. I was actually the person on the other side of the phone. <laughs> 
convincing so you do my... know the other side of the conversation. I do in this in this particular one. Um, I I was the I was the devil on the shoulder saying both sets of cookies and then go ahead for the kettle corn Best and then yes answer ever and then and then you need wine sweetheart and and um I called my, this was my friend Molly and she was not quitting her job she'd had a really bad day and um she was crying in the cookie aisle and I called her when I started having ideas about I needed I needed like a really good how girlfriends prop each other up song in the middle of this because this is following a really desperate movement. Um, the the preceding movement is a nine one one phone call that doesn't really resolve. Oy. Yeah, yeah. The main character loses her kid in a park, and when you call nine one one, well, that's terrifying. You, Thanks a lot for yeah, that, Jamie. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. The, when you call nine one one, though, you only get the story until the operator hangs up because the police have arrived. So you don't really know what's going on. Yeah. You, the, the 911 operator almost never knows in the phone conversation how the, the situation resolves. The resolution of that. Right. And so I really needed something kind of mundane and hilarious to follow it. And like, there's some high drama because, you know, as you're getting older, you have more responsibility. So, you know, Nobody changed any results. They weren't trying to hide anything. Um, but this was a desperate moment of just crisis for my friend where I, I called her and I was like, I need I need a good girl power. Like, we prop each other up movement. That time you called me from the cookie aisle, can I, like, can I use that in a song? <laughs> um, so this piece actually, um, it's coming out soon. It's going to be up for pre-order by the time this podcast comes out. Um. And it's dedicated to my six pillars of friendship and and um, and Molly is one of them. And, and so I had her permission to like kind of over dramatize our evening of, <laughs> well, where do you put the cookies if you don't want your husband to break into them? Well, it's obviously, <laughs> Molly, you put them under the backseat of the car. He doesn't clean there. <laughs> Even if you're sharing a car, that's not where he looks for cookies. Nah. He's that's not a, looked under there in a story. long time. That's so, uh, yeah. But now I, I should go check our car for cookies. Uh, <laughs> that there could be pandemic cookies, and I'm missing them. COVID okay. cookies. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> that does not sound delicious. Corona cookies? Oh, um, oh maybe. Beer cookies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I do. I, I. I have to say, uh, and I'll, uh, I'll go on record saying this if, if y'all don't mind, but the idea <laughs> Nope, of stricken. Stricken. What? No, you can't the do record. my job. Over, overruled, overruled. <laughs> um, the, uh, I, I've, I've been very vocal about not enjoying uh, text that speaks to kind of the mundanity of, of daily life. Uh, and I'm thinking about uh, operatic libretti and, and things, and and uh, I've brought up uh, Doctor Atomic a number of times, where where I I love Doctor Atomic and I love Adam's music and uh, Peter Sellers libretto. It's it's got some great moments to it, but there are other moments where I'm like, why are why are we counting calories right now? Why why are we why are we giving like why why is this dialogue really important enough for me to be sitting here um, and sitting through it? This. Dramatically, and I think this text and this piece, I think sample rate, Jamie, is rather operatic. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. And very, like, dramatic in scope. I feel like this kind of cookie moment here is is 
very apropos, and I don't, I'm not offended by it. Oh, good. I wrote, I'm glad. I wrote down not- in my notes. Oh. Um, <laughs> the song cycle, since it's half a conversation, has an operatic sense to it. And I love this moment that we listen to because you make visiting the cookie aisle so dramatic. (laughs) Welcome to being a woman. (laughs) Sometimes it is. I love it. Oh, and also there's there's a very like special moment to me at the beginning because there's a little bit of a lullaby in here that sneaks in um, that. You know, I I have I don't have kids. I don't plan to have kids. But when I call my friends now, I have to be extremely aware. <laughs> I love the beginning yeah. of what my first words on the phone are, because as we, the listeners of this podcast, know I have a pretty foul mouth, which comes from being brought up, so to speak, in the composition area, which is foul. a largely male-dominated area, and, uh, you know, I just, I swear a lot, and I have really no shame about it, but when Molly's son Malcolm answers the phone, one day, that can't one be day. what he knows about Auntie Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we gotta what wait. What the, hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, little guy. <laughs> Where's your mom? <laughs> I told her this was urgent. <laughs> um... So I put maybe one of the best expression marks of my entire life at that moment where we where we get the baby on the phone and uh, it is it is something along the lines of you know crash into this moment as if your mouth is full of expletives and then your best friend's kid answers the phone and you, you just gotta reel that shit back in. <laughs> what the friend? How's it going? <laughs> Actually, I had that moment earlier today with you, Rob, because I, I called you in a moment where I was really excited about something happening in my life, and Violet popped and into Violet the screen, and I was like, right up. "Hi!" To, to be fair, though, I think um, I can't. I don't know if she could. Yeah, she could hear you because I, I had headphones on, but they weren't connected. I, I answered from the iPad. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she could hear you. <laughs> That's hey! funny. <laughs> I do. I have that fake squeaky kid voice for when I almost let out an F bomb and just barely reel it in in time. So this is yeah. This this um whole piece was really inspired by Poulenc's opera La Voix Humaine, which is one woman trying to get a hold of her lover all night in the middle of a storm when the phone lines were shitty. And you only get her side of the conversation and that was our first internship at Glimmerglass? Uh, yes, it was. 2005. Yes. Damn. And, and a few years later, I saw a call for art song cycles and started letting this percolate. And so this was a really long time in the making, this project. And, um, you know, Amanda jumped on board I, two, three years ago. Um, well, it had to be three, four now because it was premiered a year ago last week. Time flies. Of course, we have no idea what time is anymore. <laughs> well, what did you say last week, Jamie? I don't know. We don't know when we are. I don't, I don't know, know when, when I am. I am. <laughs> oh, I didn't just say that last week. That's a theme of my life. <laughs> I walk into my office on Tuesday and my Wednesday kid's standing there. I'm like, wait, when am I? Do you need a signature or is it time for your lesson? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, friends, we did it. We did we, it. We did. We made it through all of the things we wanted to. All of the things. All of the things. And it's still the same day as we started recording. <laughs> Astonishing. <laughs> really. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. It was kind of uh, it, it was kind of good to get back to kind of the roots of overdrinks in mm-hmm. some ways. Yeah, we should do we should actually like choose a piece and 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 yell at each other about it soon. I like that idea. I like that idea. <laughs> Love it. Well, Rob, send us out. I know you're all like, Me? see what happens. See what happens when you call people out. Yes. <laughs> okay, later. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> nice. No, I think I already gave my summation. Yeah, earlier you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, the, you like, did. we're all. In the collective, we're all very different people. We write very different music. And even within our own uh, scope of writing, like that can be very, very different. And honestly, like, you know, this is something that I've had many conversations with about uh, many conversations with other peer composers or students. Um, The whole idea of like developing a voice, you know, Mm. this is an Andrew Martin Smith piece. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> like it, I I just don't think it's valuable. Um, and I think you I, in search of developing that voice, you close yourself off. Now, that's not to say that you know you shouldn't kind of lean into your tendencies once in a while, mm, yeah. which we all do. You know. But I was gonna say it's it's almost automatic. Yeah. We're we're gonna do it. Yeah. But it's like. <laughs> But, you know, uh, if, um, if, if, if like my music tends to be a, a teensy bit thorny every, every now <laughs> and again. And if that's the, if that's my voice and if that's the thing that's closing me off from writing a fucking triad, you know, then my <laughs> voice is not, is not, uh, useful to me because it it limits my it limits my palette and that's what i think all of us you know all the composers of adjective um do so well is to not limit ourselves or not box ourselves into one specific thing but rather you know have have a bunch of different modes of expression that can um that can go to where we need the piece we're working on to go. Yeah. Satisfies a particular function or a particular environment or a collaboration or yeah. Maybe on deadline. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective, new music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.